afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate you listening. Uh, great thanks to Representative Calbar and Eric Lucero for coming in. There were so many different things that I didn't get a chance to talk to you. I really wanted to spend some time talking about uh, Greater Minnesota. And um, Greater Minnesota, they actually think it's going to be a good thing to have some of the people in Greater Minnesota think it's a good thing to have a Governor Waltz because they think Governor Waltz is going to give a boost in funding to local government aid. They think they're going to get more money for broadband expansion. Uh, they they really think Tim Waltz is going to deliver for them. And I got news for it. With all the other stuff they're going to deliver, uh, Greater Minnesota is going to be really, really, really upset. Uh, education is another one that drives me absolutely crazy because the, the Education Minnesota has a long, long, long wish list for this legislative session, including... Uh, fully funded. I still don't know what that means. I don't know how much money that is. I know education is over half the Minnesota budget already, uh, but the Education Minnesota want, they want funding for special education. They want, and I've warned you guys about this so many times, student mental health services. There's an article in the paper today. I put it up on Facebook. Uh, it's in the Tribune. It talks about Ramsey County's horrible, horrible plan where they're going to basically go in and profile children and start a database so your kid could have all their data collected they could be labeled and they could be determined to be the next school shooter or some such thing and why you would give the schools that kind of power that kind of control that kind of access to student mental health services is just so troubling uh the things that they want to do for school building safety improvements under with their gun grabbing ideas of course worries me nonstop. I can't stress enough how uh, we will see a lot of gun control bills this upcoming legislation. We will see more and more and more. We've already seen some of them. The Star Tribune editorial board will be writing about um, about more gun control many more gun control measures that they want to see implemented. And and of course, we'll see a lot on the red flag laws. And folks, uh, you don't observe. You you just you you can't have a government. That doesn't respect due process. You, you just can't. Uh, there'll be tons of stuff on healthcare. Healthcare is going to be a huge one. Uh, don't get sick because the Democrats want to make that more expensive too. Uh, we'll see the sick tax extended. We'll see penny a pill for the fake war on opioids. Uh, the dentists, they saw how the doctors and the insurance companies made out with Obamacare and Minsure, uh, and MinCare and all the other government programs. Well, the dentists want their, fair share too. And oh, don't forget climate change. You're going to see a lot on climate change on January 9th. Turns out a whole bunch of high schoolers uh, aren't going to go to school. Well, I guess it's four o'clock, so maybe it's after school. They're going to go over to the Capitol at four o'clock and the young people from across the state will be asking Governor Tim Waltz to issue an executive order limiting greenhouse gas emissions and demonstrate to the high school students that protecting their futures will be a top priority for his administration. Don't for a minute think we aren't going to see all kinds of climate change legislation. 
legislation, everything from uh, carbon tax to more renewable energies to eliminating fossil fuels. Uh, of course, we'll see the gas tax, too. I am especially worried about the taxes, the taxes, regulations, spending, any and to lump it all under one thing, I guess, the, the business climate. You're going to see uh, another huge push to increase the minimum wage, the paid sick time. Oh, my gosh, I've done... Uh, I've done so many um, Facebook posts, Twitter posts, uh, all that different kind of stuff on the minimum wage increases, how destructing, destructive and damaging they are to the small businesses. I know not too long ago I did a story about here on air about Americans want paid leave until they realize that they have to pay for it. And people don't realize that, oh, it sounds so nice to give someone a paid sick leave or a paid um, 12 week maternity leave or whatever. But guess what? Someone else has to do the work. So someone's getting paid not to work. And that means people aren't going to get raises. Businesses aren't going to expand. Uh, and people don't realize how expensive this paid leave is. And everybody supports it until they realize that they're going to get fewer raises and they're going to get fewer benefits. And also, businesses tend to hire fewer women, even though no one will admit to that. And that can't surprise anyone at all. Uh, the minimum wage just drives me absolutely crazy. You have 20-some states, including Minnesota, who raised their minimum wage January 1st here in Minnesota for large companies, the minimum wage is now $9.85. Of course, Minneapolis and St. Paul, they are going towards the $15 an hour. And I cannot stress to you enough how difficult it is for a small business to survive these minimum wage increases like this. Because the 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 bottom line is you've got government coming in and telling you they're going to increase your labor costs, but you're not going to make any more money. You're going to have no increased productivity and we've seen the prices skyrocket we've seen people are working fewer hours we've seen the closed businesses and it is just heartbreaking to watch these small business owners try to figure out how to how to make up two three four hundred thousand dollars a year to pay for these benefits that the government is mandating that they have and those those um and some of the states are doing it even higher, but $10 an hour. Can you imagine that? How, how do you, how do you make up that kind of money? A lot of small businesses won't be able to. They'll shut, they'll shut their doors. They would call the, they would call these minimum wage bills the Walmart bill because a big company like Walmart can, can afford to, uh, absorb that kind of, cause they're so big. They can uh, afford to absorb that on their bottom line. Your small mom and pop business can't. And, and that's just really troubling to me. Um, we've seen several stories in our local media about how Minnesota is the least tax friendly state in the United States and really came down hard on Minnesota. Minnesota, we're number one. We're number one. Minnesota is the least tax friendly state in the United States of, of, of America. And they talked about the new top income tax uh, in from 2013, 9.85%. Thanks for nothing, Governor Dayton. Uh, they talk about, uh, they, they talk about the, how even our poor people are taxed at a higher rate than 20-some other states in the United States of America. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy. And I don't see the Democrats doing anything uh, anything to 
to address that. Um, don't get me started on the data breach or child care or, or whatever. Uh, my big frustration this past week, though, and there are many, and I'm sure there'll be many more, uh, with the Democrats controlling the House and with Governor Waltz sitting in the governor's chair. But my uh, fury came out this past week against Secretary of State Steve Simon and the package that he released uh, on Thursday. Uh, and uh, all under the guise of increasing voter turnout in Minnesota, he came out with a package of proposals that he wants to see the legislature push through. And all I can say is no, no, hell no, hell no, absolutely not. So we'll take a break. When we come back, I'll tell you a little bit about Steve Simon's horrible ideas. And I'll give you some pointers what you can do to stop them. This is horrible, people. This is absolutely horrible. Uh, Stay tuned. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Good Saturday afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, Stan. Stan, did you see that pillow over there of John Justice? I saw it earlier. It's It's a little scary looking from here. Okay, I'm even closer to it than you are, and it's really scary looking. At least it ain't my mug on a pillow. That would really be ugly. I know. Why didn't someone put Sam on it or something? (laughs) No kidding. Yeah, I know. John's got this goofy big smile on his face. Oh, man, oh, man, yeah. All right. There's no spaceship in the background with him. (laughs) Hey, have you read his book? I have not yet, no. No, I want to read it. I mean, I'm not a, a huge fan like he is, of course, but I, I still want to read it. And yeah, I like to support the other people around the station. So, all right. Uh, this week, Steve Simon, what a joke. Steve Simon came out. He announced it his investing in democracy agenda. He had a press conference in th- on Thursday, and I was mad i was mad at everybody i was mad at the i was mad at steve simon i was mad at the republicans for not responding to it i was mad at jim nash who's the minority lead of elections in the house i was mad at mary kiff kiffmeyer who's the election uh lead in when they and the republicans have the majority in the senate i was mad at minnesota voters alliance i was pretty much mad i was mad at the media i was pretty much mad at everybody because steve simon stood up there and he talked about all these things that he wanted to do and and the media and so many people never responded they never responded to uh to to tell people what a horrible idea this is to tell you that steve simon put together this package of of proposals that he wants rammed through the legislative session and you know what i have to say to steve simon no hell no these are horrible ideas and if there are some parts of of his investing in democracy agenda that might be good ideas Okay, let's have that discussion. But the idea that he thinks because um, Tim Waltz is sitting in the governor's chair and the and the Democrats control the Minnesota House and the Republicans aren't strong in the Senate uh, and the idea that it's going to go right through. No way, because you know what, folks, we've got to stop these ideas. Okay, so the secretary of state came out and he said, here, here are my plans. Um, He wants to focus on maintaining Minnesota's nation leading role in protecting and advancing democratic institutions, most notably the right to vote for all. The four key components of his agenda are increased security, 
decreased barriers to registration, restoration of voting rights to those who were formerly incarcerated, and protecting voter privacy. So I want you to remember, for the last six months, Steve Simon has been running all over the state of Minnesota, running in front of every microphone that he can find, writing op-eds to the Star Tribune, to the Pioneer Press, to any paper he can find that'll print it, talking about the security breaches, the hacks, the attempted hacks that have gone on in the election system in the state of Minnesota. Now he stands up at this press conference and he says, oh, guess what? And I quote, though we have no evidence of a breach or even an attempt to breach our system in all of 2018, we still have to be vigilant. Okay, okay, so he lied to us for six months. He lied to us for six months about people who were hacking and attempting to hack our election system here in Minnesota. And there are so many things that are happening inside the Secretary of State's uh, office that are undermining our fair and honest elections and the way he stonewalls the public is absolutely astonishing but you know what the secretary of state is real good at talking about hacks and talking about disenfranchisement and talking about um barriers to registration yeah what is this barriers to registration because i moved so... and i had to check so i re-registered and it literally took me and I'm not a computer person by any stretch of the imagination. It literally took me two minutes. Max. Yeah, Max. so what is this barrier in, they're talking about? You could have walked in on election day and and read. And we have same-day registration. Well, exactly. You could have walked in and done system. it, I mean, there's and done it right there. Ways. It's just absolutely astonishing. They use all those kinds of words, and they scare people. And the bottom line is we have to stand up, and we have to say, no, it's not going to happen. And I was very thankful Jim Nash actually told the Tribune. And I called Mary Kiffmeyer. I called Jim Nash because I'm like, I called Andy at Minnesota Voters Alliance. I'm like, where are our statements? Where are Where's our opposition? Where's our fight back? Where's our telling people why these are all bad ideas and, and how we have to stop them? Well, I'm thankful both Mary Kiffmeyer and Jim Nash replied back to the Star Tribune and some of the other media sources. And Jim Nash actually told the Tribune he was vehemently opposed to automatic enrollment, a private voter database for the Secretary of State, all mail-in voting, mail-in voting, good God, uh, phone voting, felon voting while on probation. And Nash and Mary Kiffmeyer and Steve Simon and the Minnesota Voters Alliance actually all agreed on one thing, that under Mark Dayton's administration, he said there would be no election changes unless there was bipartisan support in both the House and the Senate. So we'll have to see what's going to happen, if there will be a consensus of support out of the Minnesota House and uh, the Minnesota Senate. We'll see what's going to happen over the next, uh, I don't know, couple of weeks, because we're going to start... Um, I think in the Senate they won't start hearing bills as quick as they will in the House as far as election bills go. So I think over the course of the next month I'm going we'll talk on air about about uh convicted felons voting. We'll talk about how horrible automatic voter registration is. Think of all the computer issues we've seen out of the DMV and we've seen out of Minnesota IT different programs. They just had another driver's license breach this past week that was ridiculous. Um 
but they want automatic enrollment. So if you go to get a new driver's license or to renew your driver's license, you'll automatically be registered to vote. Uh, no. Absolutely not. Channel 5, maybe 10 years ago, did a study looking at the Minnesota voters, voter database. or no, I'm sorry, the Minnesota driver's license database. And in the driver's license database, they found people who had 5 and 10 driver's licenses. Same picture, different name, different address, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, and are, so if, if, if Mary Smith has a driver's license under six different names at six different addresses. Does she get to vote six times? Uh, no, that's not how we have safe, secure elections. Uh, automatic voter registration is a horrible idea. People should have to do, have to, have to put some effort into, into, um, into registering or re-registering to vote. Uh, the presidential nomination primary, this is crazy. So in 2016, the legislature passed a presidential primary law for 2020. And so each political party is going to get their own separate ballot. And you will have to have to sign an allegiance to the Democrats or the Republicans. And then you'll get, uh, you'll get that information. And then that, that becomes public record. That becomes public record. And, and that, that information is given to the individual parties. Steve Simon testified in favor of this legislation in 2016. Testified in favor of it. And now here he is saying it's a really bad idea because people are, oh, understandably angry as, as they should be. Uh, probably one of the biggest things, uh, Steve Simon has been harping for this $6.6 million in the Help America Vote Act. And these funds were allocated, they have to be allocated by the legislature. And this was in one of the bills that Governor Dayton vetoed. So this $6.6 million is just sitting over in some fund in St. Paul, just hanging out. And, um, he is waiting for, and in fact, Minnesota is the only state in the country that did not access the, these federal funds in time for the 2018 election because Governor Dayton vetoed the bill. And you know what? I want to say this to the Senate. I want to say this to uh, the House of Representatives. I want to say this to the Democrats, too. Steve Simon doesn't get that $6.8 million, so he gets his own slush fund. Do you hear me? That's $6.6 million. That has to come with oversight. Honest and fair elections matter. We've seen that Steve Simon can't be, can't be trusted. And there's a reason that the Minnesota Voters Alliance, uh, gave Steve Simon the 2019 Champion of Ineligible Voting Award, which I think is absolutely hilarious. Uh, we have a, great lawsuit that's moving forward that we're winning by the way steve simon is keeps appealing it um where we're trying to get a hold of this uh public election data and steve simon won't give it up well let me rephrase that he won't give it out to the minnesota voters alliance he'll give it out to his democrat buddies but but not to the rest of them and steve simon we've uh we've talked i don't know if we've talked to Dwayne. Uh, Quam, Representative Quam, about this, but uh, he has has asked Secretary of State Simon's office for information about the inquiries into any number of irregularities going on at the at the Secretary of State's office. And this is a sitting House representative that asked Steve Simon for answers, and Steve Simon still hasn't answered him. 
Uh, and of course, Minnesota Voters Alliance had to go uh, go take him take him to court. The Court of Appeals hearing for the Minnesota Voters Alliance case is January 24th. I can't wait to hear about this. This is going to be another one of the Minnesota Voters Alliance's uh, big cases. And remember, um, there's a whole bunch of data that said there were a bunch of Ill- ineligible voters who voted in the 2016 election. And we had the Office of Legislative Auditor came out with even even more information. And and I'm sorry, Steve, I don't know how you people voted for him. I don't know why he was reelected. Uh, the judge has already ruled in Minnesota Voters Alliance favor, well, every time we've been in court. So the 24th will be the next round of it. And yes, I will... I will keep you posted on that. Um, okay, Stan, I want to talk a little bit about the um, 116th Congress. I want to talk a little bit about the shutdown. But before we get to the bottom of the hour, I want I want to hear I want mm-hmm. you to hear this story. The IRS cannot send out tax refunds during a government shutdown. Channel 11 had their question of the week. So it's two weeks into the shutdown. We're just starting week three. What are we? Day 15, I think we are. Um, well, if you got your taxes done already, uh, kudos to you because you're really quick. Okay. my One of my daughters does hers immediately because, like you, she wants her refund. But now Channel 11 went out and they said, um, are, are, are the claims true? During the shutdown, could it delay or impact your tax refund? And the answer is yes. During a shutdown, taxes can be filed and submitted to the United States, but they don't, they cannot process any refunds. So So if they cannot process refunds, how could they process what we owe them? So maybe we should just not pay taxes (laughs) while there's a shutdown. How would that work for them? Well, I, I, I don't know because it just it just amazes me that they have no problem at all taking your money. Yeah, but they, they shouldn't they be able to give if it they back. They can't process one; they shouldn't be able to process them all. I mean, it would be like a fast food joint saying, "We got burgers, but no fries." I mean, it doesn't work that way. They're either closed or not. <laughs> Only of the ten thousand people deemed uh, essential employees, wait, ten thousand of the eighty thousand people employed by the IRS. 10,000 of the 80,000 are deemed essential. Um, those are, that's how many workers are working right now. Um, but the IRS confirmed during a shutdown, staff responsible for the filing and collection of taxes will continue to work, but those responsible for tax refunds will be furloughed. The following services are still running. Completion and testing of the upcoming filing year programs, electronic returns that are processed systematically up to the point of refunds. So everything up to the part where the check goes out uh, and processing paper tax returns through batching. The good news is uh, the IRS can't send out tax refunds during a shutdown. They can change that plan. And I think Donald Trump will make sure they do. Stan, how many times do I have to tell you, don't give your money to the government to use interest-free for the whole year? What I'm more concerned about is if uh, we shut down here, are we essential or non-essential employees? That's what I'm concerned about. We are essential. We are essential. Now, first of all, we're weekends, so that's entirely different right Weekend there. Weekend essentials, yes. Yeah, we are, we are definitely essentials. This place couldn't run without us. Well, we're the only ones that work on the weekend. I know. Well, no, I saw the K-Fan guys. Yeah, that's true. I saw the cities guys. Yeah, I saw a few people. 
So there are a few of us that are that are essential. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the 116th Congress, and then we are going to... I got a great story about Jason Lewis, a great story about Jason Lewis. Uh, And then we're going to talk about who's winning the shutdown battle. Stay tuned. Lots more coming. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 and com. Good Saturday afternoon, everyone. How you doing? Oh, my gosh. The results in North Carolina nine congressional race uh north carolina refused to certify the election because of voter fraud here in minnesota steve simon just certifies all the elections without checking any of the eligibility requirement of the same day registrants or 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 others this is uh we got to do something about elections folks or republicans may never win another one again unless it's by accident or the democrats screw up so bad that it just can't be fixed it's crazy okay in the november election my friend jason lewis lost and i was very sad and disappointed by that uh he worked really really hard i thought he was going to win i don't know what's wrong with the people in cd2 but right before the new congress was going to get sworn in Jason Lewis sent out uh, a big thank you to the folks in Minnesota, too. He said that he's proud of his record of achievements in the 115th Congress. He's proud of deregulation and energy independence. He's proud of historic tax reductions and a return of 3% growth. He's proud of the FTA and the Met Council and review authors. Um, He's proud of juvenile justice reform. Act of 2018. Uh, I think he does have a lot to be proud of, and I think he did a really good job for uh, CD2. And I'll tell you, I, there's just no way Angie Craig is ever going to be able to to live up to Jason Lewis as far as being a congressperson. But the part that I wanted to um, tell you about was via a news release, which none of our media covered this, none of it. None of it. Jason Lewis said that he is returning $50,000 of his members' representational allowance, the MRA funds, back to the U.S. Department of Treasury. None of our media covered this. You know, do you, do you think any of our other uh, representatives would give back their their allowance? Jason Lewis said, As I've said so many times before, the federal government has a spending problem, not a taxing one. We must stop thinking that our nation can tax its way out of a deficit without hurting economic growth and straining family budgets. I have long believed in and voted for across-the-board budgetary restraint in Washington, including taxpayer accountability in my personal office. This, That's why... As the 115th Congress comes to a close, I'm proud to say that I will be returning $50,000 of my unused MRA funds back to the United States Treasury. Thanks, Jason Lewis. Thanks. Most people wouldn't have done that. And, And where are all the stories about that? Why isn't that headlining the Star Tribune, the Pioneer Press, NPR? Did anyone even see any of our our local media cover that? I mean, that is absolutely astonishing. What was also astonishing this past week was to see fluff piece after fluff piece after fluff piece uh, stories 
about Dean Phillips, about Angie Craig, about Ilhan Omar, uh, and virtually nothing, virtually nothing on Jim Hagedorn or Pete Stauber. I mean, the the bias in the media is really amazing, and they they just pretend that it 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 doesn't happen. I mean, what how? Uh, how we're representative, how we're represented in Washington, D.C. matters. And the idea that people aren't going to, uh, well, they count on you not paying attention. They count on people being lazy and dumb and uninformed. And, uh, they're hoping, they're hoping a lot of people stay that way because then the Democrats will stay in office. Uh, Pete Stauber put a great picture of his nameplate on his office door. On social media, he said, the citizens of the 8th District, welcome to your new office. I look forward to serving you in the 116th Congress. Uh, nice job. I mean, just really, really classy. Had a beautiful picture of his his family that he that he put out there, and and then you got you got Representative Omar Ilhan Omar. Oh my goodness, she's so much fluff. So she put a piece, she put a picture out on Twitter and she said, 23 years ago from a refugee camp in Kenya, my father and I arrived at an airport in Washington, D.C. Today we returned to that same airport on the eve of my swearing in as the first Somali American in Congress. The only problem is uh, that didn't happen. And um, John Gilmore, I saw John Gilmore retweeted. I don't know who found it in the first place, but they linked it to a city page story uh, from a few years back that where Omar told everyone, nope, we flew into New York City and then we took a train down to Washington, D.C. But you know what? The media is never going to report that. They only want... Um, fluff pieces golden golden girl pieces for their uh for for their candidates it really is astonishing uh, we did hear a lot about identity politics this week it was the most diverse congress ever the first somalian american ever uh angie craig J- craig just became the first lesbian mom sworn into congress there were lots and lots of stories about how there were a record 102 women in the in the united states states house and how there's still so much further so much further to go and when you look at the difference of the media, how they treat a Democrat uh, Democrat politician versus a Republican politician is really amazing. Uh, some CNN pundit tweeted out there, total women in the U.S. House in 1989, 16 Democrats and 13 Republicans. Uh, 2019, 89 Democrats and 13 Republicans. They just never miss an opportunity to bash Republicans. And so you can see not much is going to change as we welcome the 116th uh, Congress into place. The Democrats on the first day of House control, uh, one of them compared uh, President Trump to Adolf Hitler. And that was Hank Johnson. Uh, Rashida Talabi, uh, she says we're going to impeach the insert really bad word. Um, we had another one who said, oh, Representative 
uh, Sherman introduced articles of impeachment against Trump and Representative Cohen introduced a bill to abolish the Electoral College. That's what we're up against, people. That's what we're up against. Those are the kind of bills they're going to introduce, the kind of things they're going to try to ram down our throat. And then after four hours on the job, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats took a vote and said, yep, let's go home. When Nancy Pelosi was asked about uh, the horrible comments uh, that Representative Talib, Rashida Talib, um, I think she's out of Detroit. Um, she said, impeach the, insert really bad word. Um, Nancy Pelosi said, yeah, I don't think we're going to make a big, a big deal, uh, a big deal out of, out of it. Uh, and again, we know lots of people curse, but the thing you really have to pay attention to is her, her really truly cavalier attitude towards impeachment and and impeaching a a U.S. president. It's absolutely um, astonishing. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has just been, oh, man, she's everywhere in the media and talking about her dancing. And by the way, not one GOP member I know, not one GOP member that I saw uh, thinks her dancing from when she was at Boston College is anything scandalous. And, I mean, again, you wonder why people don't trust the media. All you have to do is look at that look at that uh, story. This past week, we also saw Amy Klobuchar. She's going to decide if she's going to run for president. And I say no, 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 hell no. Uh, we'll take a quick break. Then I want to talk about who's winning the shutdown battle. Uh, and we'll take some of your phone calls. If you want to weigh in, 651-989-5855, 651-989-5855. Uh, Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, and com. Good Saturday afternoon, everyone. How you doing? Thanks so much for tuning in. I just told Stan, all of a sudden, my voice has gotten, my throat is so sore. One oh more segment gosh. to go, woman. I can do it. I can do it. Uh, All right, we're on day 15 of the shutdown. I want to know, who do you think's winning the shutdown? Uh, Is President Trump winning the shutdown? Because I kind of think he is. President Trump said yesterday he just might keep part of the government shut down for years. Why not shut it all down? (laughs) Keep keep the tanks, keep the uh, B-1 bombers, whatever they are, all the all the artillery. Well, and get rid of the rest. Let's remember that this is a partial government shutdown and most of the government is funded. And we were talking about essential and non-essential employees before ninety five percent of HUD is non-essential. 86% of commerce is non-essential. 83% of treasury is non-essential. So why do we have them? Interior, 76% is non-essential. Egg, 66.5% non-essentials. Dang right. Why do we even have... Just this past week, Minnesota came out, Myron France, thanks for nothing, uh, Myron France came out and said Minnesota could be facing dire economic consequences if the federal government shutdown continues past the first week of the new year and the new Congress in... Uh, as far as federal aid for disasters, transportation, and commercial vehicle safety inspections. That's a flat-out lie, people. It's another scary headline alert, and the idea that Minnesota would face dire consequences if the shutdown lasted past the first week is a flat-out lie, and Myron Franz knows that. And, oh, by the way, Tim Waltz picked him as one of the commissioners he wants to, he wants to keep 
uh, to keep on board. Um, I'll weigh in on some of those commissioners that he picked, uh, not this week, but but maybe the next one. I think Donald Trump's winning the shutdown. You can tell me what what you think. Uh, but you know what? I'm I'm glad Donald Trump is not giving in on this. I think five five million dollars. $5 billion in a $4 trillion budget is nothing. And I think every day that the government's shut down, we're reminded that Democrats care more about illegal immigrant immigrants than they do the American people. The $5 billion. I mean, that that's just absolutely, that is such a drop in the bucket of the whole big the whole entire you know why they want them it's it's votes for them if they fight for the illegal immigrant or the illegal alien or whatever you want to however you want to phrase it guess who they're going to vote for well poll after poll after poll shows americans are very concerned about border security 70 percent of them don't want ice eliminated uh yet somehow they gave the democrats the majority i'll never I, I I just don't under don't under understand how that could how that could possibly happen. So let's take some phone calls here. See who you think is winning the shutdown war. Mike, you're up first. Hey, Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking my call, Sue. Sure. Um, I think the as far as the shutdown goes, it's yet to be uh, determined, but. Here's the way I look at it, and I did vote for Trump, is this really is the presidential campaign of 2020 because that was the uh, rocket fuel, if you will, Trump had when he came out and said he's going to do something about the border. Mm-hmm. He, he, he just can't, it's, it's all in. I mean, it's, all your chips have to be on the table now because if he backs down, he loses all the capital of his base and his supporters. I'll walk away if he if he blinks. I'm done because this is such a critical issue, and Pelosi and Schumer know that as well. So I don't know how long they can hold out and keep the government shut down. Um, you know, it's it's important that uh, Trump stands firm. And um, the other thing is, uh, you were talking about the. Uh, the swearing in of the new Congress. This is just going to be hysterical. Some of these people, but <laughs> I know some of them took the swearing in literally. <laughs> I know <laughs> they did. Okay, Mike, I got a question for you, though. I got a question for you. Do I think, um, and and maybe this is what you were trying to say too. I think Trump knows he has to stay strong on the border funding, otherwise he will lose a lot of people like you and me. Don't you think so too? Well, absolutely, but here's the other thing that I was going to mention when I was on with Stan is that if he can invoke the, well, this is, to me, there's no question this is a national security issue. Right. It's funny, if we were back, let's say we were two years past 9-11, how hard do you think would it be to get that wall then? Would have happened overnight. And I think what's going to happen is, and, and I'd like to see if we, there's some experts that have chimed in on this, that if this becomes a national security issue, we've got what seven, uh, seven hundred to seven hundred fifty billion dollars in the military budget. Some people had already theorized back then when that bill went through and he signed it that he's got the money he needs there. And if he invokes an issue of national security, he can by his um, executiveship he, he can actually get the wall built through the military. 
Don't you think there'll be lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit? <laughs> um, can they do that, though, if it's an issue of national security? Well, they tried with the with the with what they call the Muslim ban, which, of course, wasn't a Muslim ban. It was only six countries. Um, but they managed to temporarily stop some of those until finally a judge slapped him up and said, yeah, guess what? Trump gets to do that. Well, this is a whole different deal. I mean, what's to stop him from saying, I, you know what? Come get me. I'm yeah. at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. <laughs> I'm going for it. Come get me. I, I'd I like to hear that, Mike. I'd like to hear that. I'm I'm with you. I don't want him to cave at all. Thank you so much for your phone call. Really appreciate it. Uh, Kevin, you're up next. Hey, Kevin, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. So you're right on Jason. And the reason why they won't give him credit is because the media is the Democrat Party. I know. Kevin, Kevin, had you heard that story about Jason giving back some members' uh, allowance, whatever, 50 grand, and not one media source no. reported on it? Not Nothing. one? Zero zip, nada. Um, on the voter fraud, they have to. the Republican Party is going to have to get busy on this and try and eliminate same-day voting, voting by mail, uh, voting with a driver's license, because in Nevada... Uh, they give uh, the everybody illegals included right. uh, um, driver's licenses to go vote in California. They did that too. You, what do you got? Uh, you know, Hillary lost by two million. Mm-hmm. She probably had about anywhere from two to ten million of illegal voters. That right. You know, Kevin, we're not going to get anything legislatively. I think the only thing we're going to get this time, unless people show up at the Capitol with their pitchforks, the only thing, the only way we're going to win on any of this stuff is if we continue to sue the state of Minnesota, the Secretary of State, Joe Mansky, Hennepin County, you name it, all of them, because that seems to be the only way we can get anything done here. The ideas that Steve Simon has to push through the legislature this year, they're horrible. And if they go through, Republicans will never win another election. Uh, they they have to bypass the media on the uh, during the election. The other thing is, this education, Minnesota... Um, Pushing the global warming, getting those kids out of school. I know. They have no shame. These people are corrupt. Nope. They don't present the other side at all. And it is. It is global, G-L-O-B-U-L-L, warming. <laughs> Good one, Kevin. Keep up the good work, Sue. Oh, I so love it when you call in. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. (laughs) Take care. I do so love it when you come. Uh, Let's see. Are we going to try to get one more in here? Um, uh, Line four. Line four. All right. I guess I got line four. Uh, Hey, Jeff. Welcome to the show. Sue, your show is about three hours too short. I know. It goes so fast, doesn't it? But, yeah. Well, it, no, uh, I'm glad President Trump's standing is because more, more, more often than not, any other Republican would have came a long time ago. And as far as the news service goes, if, if it wasn't for your program and Fox, and we would never know anything. No, tr- There's no truth out there anymore. The news Thinks they don't report nothing like Jason. I never knew about Jason Lewis doing it, although I know he's a stand up guy and I like yeah, the guy. Yeah. But it's an embarrassment. And that. you know what, Rick? And- or, you know what, Jeff? I was watching this um, um, writer for the. 
uh, Star Tribune, and she writes on health care. She's an opinion writer, for God's sakes, but people read her pieces and they think she's like a journalist, and she's not. She's an opinion writer. And people get so confused and mixed up between what's opinion and what's fact. It's crazy. Yeah, well, that's because, remember... Facts don't count. Opinions do. Right, right. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> Appreciate your comments. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. And I didn't get to Keith Ellison. I wanted to tell you who he hired for his second-in-command, what his some of agenda things are. Plus, I got a great story about shrimp that I'm going to tell you about next week that Stan gave me. Stan, what's on your show today? Uh, more issues with CWD. We're going to talk uh, chronic wrestling. wasting disease. Yeah, wrestling memories. I know it's not outdoors, what? but Mean Gene Okerlund. I mean, I come know. on. Mean Gene. And we're big AWA fans here in the state of Minnesota. So isn't ice it, fishing fun. Isn't All everyone? sorts of good stuff. Ice fishing fun. There's no ice fishing and the weather deteriorated oh, the ice. It's funny. I drove out yesterday. Oh, figures. Of course. Of course you did. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next week. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 and Twin Cities News Talk. Dot com.